Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning and and the new year. It's a new time. It's a new day and uh, just excited to be a part of God's church. As we start this new year, I know that it's a time where many of us want to change something, right? Uh, We want to make a change. Uh, You know, we talk about New Year's resolutions, but sometimes it's not really about the New Year's resolutions. Sometimes it's about some changes that we want to make in our life. We want to do something different this year. Maybe it's a pattern of relating. I know that uh, Amy and I have been talking about, you know, in our family, some patterns of relating, some things that we're doing, some some rhythms in our life, maybe even some choices with our schedule and things that, that really need to make a change. And I think it's a great time, too, for us to consider that the most important relationship that we'll ever have in our life is with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is how can we change the pattern of relating to our God? And how do we make that a spiritual priority in the new year? And here at Oakwood, you've already heard this morning through the announcements, we have many opportunities for that. You can get involved in discipleship on Wednesday nights. You can get involved in discipleship on Sunday mornings. In fact, there's a new marriage group that started this morning. It's meeting right now um, over in the Oak. Uh, There's just tons of ways for you to be involved in ministry, on ministry teams. And another thing that, that we're doing this year is that we are reading through the entire Bible. And if you are a person that you're like, I've always wanted to do that, I don't know how to do that, I don't know how to maximize the potential of actually accomplishing it, but also getting something out of it. We have made that super easy. Right now, I've got 60 on the plan with me, and I would love to have you join. And all you have to do is download the Bible app and become my friend, okay? Download the Bible app, become my friend. Just search for Eric Keller. My picture will come up. There's like, you know, 100 Eric Kellers there. One will have my picture. Um, Click on that one. And if you just send me a a friend request in the Bible app, I will add you to our reading plan for the year. Now, I know some people are like, we're nine days in. How far are you in? We are at like... Uh, Genesis 30 today. So yeah, you're 30 chapters behind. Can you catch up? Absolutely. It's not too late. There's even actually, I'll tell you a little secret in the app, there's a place where you can hit catch me up and it just catches you up to where we are currently. So uh, man, we're having great discussions on there. Great great Bible reading. And and I just want to encourage you that the Bible changes lives. And the more of the word of God you have in your life, I think the better your relationship with God is. So just want to encourage you with that as we make changes this year. And that's really what the heart of today's message is about. It's God's design, but your decision. Because God has a plan for your life. God has a design for your life. He has a plan from the beginning for Adam and Eve in the garden. He had a plan for the Israelites, his chosen people throughout the word of Scripture. He has a plan for everyone. The problem is we veer from his plan, right? God gives us a design for our lives, and we make the choice whether we want to follow and walk in God's way or follow our own way, which usually leads us to sinfulness and to lostness, into a place where we don't want to be, and sometimes we wake up, we're like, how did I get here? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, it's in the Old Testament. And as always, you can follow along on your phone, or if you brought a tablet, an iPad this morning, if you download the Oakwood app, and you go to sermon notes, all the notes and all the scriptures and everything are there for you. Uh, You can even make highlights and take notes in the app. It's really cool interaction there. But Jeremiah chapter 29. And we're just going to read this together. This is going to kind of be our our rallying point for this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And this is what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This little passage right here is really kind of one of those I felt like, just personally for me, it's become a Christian tragedy. Maybe you read uh, this along with me, and you're like, oh, I've heard of that. Jeremiah 29, 11. I've heard of that. In fact, I've seen that on a, on a Christian t-shirt. In fact, I was driving around this week, I saw someone's bumper sticker. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And if you take that one verse and you just read it by itself and understand it by itself, you, there's nothing wrong with that. You are absolutely correct. It's saying what it's saying. Now, you know, some people make the argument, well, that was for uh, the Israelites back in Jeremiah. He's one of the prophets and he's talking to them. Yes, but there's a universal principle here that if those are God's people and I accept Christ and I am God's people, then these, these Old Testament promises are, are also for us that we can walk in these things too. How much more so because of Jesus Christ, right? And so a lot of people say, Jeremiah 29, 11, that's you know, my life verse, that's my favorite verse, my bumper sticker verse, my t-shirt verse. It, it's so good. God has plans for my life and plans to prosper, not to harm, plans to give you hope and a future. But then there's our part of it, which we kind of exclude sometimes, and that's the next two verses. In 12 it says, then you will call on me, so we're going to call on God, and then he says, and you're going to come and you're going to pray to me, and I will listen to you. So you, there, there's your part, there's, there's my part, is that we're going to call upon the Lord through prayer. We're actually going to come before the Lord. We're going to pray to the Lord, and he will listen to us. And then he gives us the, the unlocking key, I think, to the blessings of God and to this prosperous life that he has for us and to this design for life that is always going to be better than our own ways, our own pathways in life. In verse 13, he says, you will seek me, and you will find me when, Lord, when will we seek you to find me? When you seek me with all of your heart. When your whole heart and your whole life are surrendered to me, then, then you're going to be walking out your life the way I intended. Then you're going to be walking in God's design. So let's unpack this this morning. I'm going to do this through a little uh, visual illustration. If you're thinking, what is that white piece of paper up there? We're going to do a little visual illustration this morning just to kind of illustrate this. And again, this, you know, because it's something that I'm drawing and stuff, it's not in the notes, not in the app. So if you want to grab a piece of paper, uh, follow along this way. If you're one of those visual people, it might be helpful to you. But the first thing I want us to understand this morning is that God has a design and a plan for our life. God has a design and a plan for our life. It's absolutely there in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. It's absolutely there throughout Scripture that God has a design and a plan for life. If you go back to the garden, which is what all of us on the Bible plan have been reading, uh, we started with Genesis 1 this past week, is we understand that even from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, God had a plan. God had a design. And if we would just stick with his design, we're so blessed. I mean, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve probably had it the easiest, right? Everybody says, that, oh, they had it so hard. They had it the easiest, okay? Yes, they had live temptation from Satan himself. Okay, I'll give them that. But they had like one rule, 
right? I mean, just one. Don't eat the fruit from this tree. That was God's design. Don't eat. You can have anything else in this garden. In fact, the garden was expansive. I mean, I think they could have walked it for years and never seen the whole thing. And, and here's the garden. There's this one tree in the middle. And this one tree, don't eat the fruit from this tree. And Satan comes in and says, oh, did God tell you don't eat the fruit from this tree? tree because you will surely die. Oh, God doesn't want you to know what he knows. And if you eat this fruit, you'll become wise like he is. You can become like God. That's actually what got Lucifer thrown out of heaven. Do you remember that? He wanted to raise his throne. We read that in Isaiah 14. He wanted to raise his throne to the heavens so that he could be like God. He sells that same lie to Adam and Eve. And here comes the fall. And it wasn't God's design. We walked out of God's design for our life. But we need to acknowledge that God has a design for our life. He cares, and he has a design and an aspect. He cares about every aspect of your life. Now, this was kind of blowing my mind when I I first thought of this. Every part of your life, God has a design for it. Okay, so think, think, think deeply. Think through these things with me. He has a design for your personal life. Okay? Just you personally, your daily interactions, he has, a, he has a design for that. He has a design for the family unit. Did you know that? How, how have we messed that up today, right? I mean, and it's not in-laws and outlaws anymore. I mean, it, it, our family units are not the way God designed them to be. God designed a family unit from the very beginning in the garden. God has a design for that. God has a design for our personal lives, our personal choices. God has a design for our money, for our finances. There are biblical principles that tell you that, hey, we are stewards. Everything you have actually comes from God. Your ability to produce income actually is talents and mental capacity given to you by God. God says that if you will live on the 90% you'll return to me the tithe, the 10%, and put that in proper perspective, your 90% will always go further than if you just kept it all to yourself selfishly. God has a design for our money. God has a design for our relationships and how we relate to each other personally. God has a design for families. God even has a design for our sex life. And we totally messed that up, Right? God has a design for it. And if you start thinking about this, well, does God really have a design for this? And if you start thinking about this and you critically think on this point, you'll find out God really does have a design for everything. And he reveals that design to us through his word in scripture, this design. And if we live by God's design, then we will have his blessing. If we just follow this, we can live within the blessings of God. Right? Because we've, we've eliminated sinfulness, We're moving in his direction in life. If we live by his design, then we will live within his blessing. But there is a problem. And the problem is that we all depart from God's design. We jettison from it. God has a design for us. He says, this is is life that is truly life. This is what you want deep down inside. That you're trying, some, some people are like still confused. Like, I'm trying to figure out what I want. My, this is it. God has a time. And we jettison from it. We don't walk and stay in God's design. There, there's a word for this, and this word is sin. You've heard that word before. When we choose to walk away and we don't operate and we disobey God's design for our life, then we choose sin. 
There's a verse that reminds us of this, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Do you know Romans 3, 23? It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. If you're sitting in the room right now and you're like, oh, I haven't sinned, you're a liar and you're sinning right now, so don't do that, okay? You've already fulfilled it. So you just don't have self-awareness about your sinfulness, okay? But God's design, we choose sin. And it says that all of us do that. All of us have made that lame brain choice. Even from the time that we are children, we have this tendency to listen to the lies of Satan and to move that direction. It usually starts with the two-year-olds when they begin to talk, right? So when the first sin happens in their life is then. Mom says, hey, I want you to pick up your toy, Johnny, and put it in the basket. No. There it is. The first sin. Disobeying your parents. First sin right there. And it starts so young, it's like they're so cute. In fact, they're kind of cute and sweet in their sinfulness. But we know as parents, if you're a parent, you know it's like, yeah, they're a bunch of little sweet, little cute little sinners that we got to, we got to what? We got to get them back to God's design. We got to teach them the ways of the Lord. We got to teach them the word of scripture. And this is going to make a difference in their lives. Now, here's the, here's the other thing. When we leave, when we sin and we leave God's design, we end up in a place that's called brokenness. When we leave God's design, we end up in this place called brokenness. We are broken people. And this is true, again, universally for everyone. You have God's design, you choose sin, you end up in this place where you're broken. This place of brokenness. And what's interesting is when you get to this place of brokenness, you, you realize your need for God even more. In, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says it this way. For the wages of sin is death, brokenness, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have God's design. We've chosen sin. We end up in this place of, of brokenness, and we know that the wages of this decision is brokenness. When, when it talks about death in there, it, it's, it's a foreshadowing of what happened in the garden because when sin entered the world, death entered the world. There's no listing of death until after Adam and Eve sinned. And God, as he's expelling them from the garden, he says what? Your days are numbered. Now your days are numbered. When sin entered the world, death entered the world. But then there's even more death in the world too because it's not just a physical death. It's a spiritual death that we die. It's not walking in God's ways, and we end up in this place where our sinfulness has brought us to this place of death and brokenness. Now, to some of us, see if you can relate to some of this. To some of us, brokenness feels like this, guilty. We struggle with guilt all the time. It's like inside our hearts and inside our minds, especially for those of us that that have called on Jesus Christ, we know God's design. In fact, we feel a pull and, and through the Holy Spirit to God's design, but we continue maybe to choose the sin in this one area of life, and it leads us to this place of guilt. For some of us, brokenness feels like emptiness. Just feel empty, feel unfulfilled in life, just feel like I don't have friends, I don't, don't have that relationship, don't, I just, I feel, I feel empty. For some of us, it feels like rejection, For some of us, it feels like shame. For some of us, it feels like regret. But what's amazing is no matter what area you are in, when you experience brokenness, we all feel the brokenness. And when we get to this place of brokenness, 
we try to fix it, right? If I just make a little more money, that'll get me out of my brokenness. If I, oh, oh, wait, wait. If I find a new job, then that'll numb my bro. That'll fit. No, wait, wait, wait. If I find that other relationship. If I find that next woman or that next man, that next person, if I can find my person, if I can find my person, then that will heal the brokenness. Oh, oh, wait, wait. If I can just distract my life so much and pour into hobbies, and I, I, I could just numb, I, I could distract myself so much, I mean golf, you know, fishing, hunting, uh, if you know, and, and you, you get the point, whatever it is, we try to fix our brokenness by running away from it and by putting all of these other things in the spot. It's like, we are so broken, now I'm going to try to numb it. You know, it, it might be drugs, it might be uh, sex outside of marriage, it might be food, it might, whatever it is, we're trying to numb it, we're trying to figure it out because we hate this feeling and we're trying to find our way out of it. We're trying to fix it. And whether it's a new relationship or more money or become, maybe for some of you it's trying to be more religious, check more boxes. Brokenness is pain. But brokenness can be useful. Some people, you've heard of the line where they need to reach rock bottom before they get it. You know, they got to get all the way down there before they realize, hey, I need something different. I need a change. What's really wrong with me. What, what, what's really wrong with my life is I have totally strayed from the Lord's blessed design for my life. And I've sinned, I've con, con, continued to sin, I've fell in this place of brokenness, and now I'm like, oh, it's okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and we're still there. And there's really only one answer for our brokenness. The gospel is the only answer for our brokenness. The gospel. That's a good church word, right? Gospel is really simple. What gospel, what this word gospel means is good news about Jesus. It's good news about Jesus. And what's great about it is because of Jesus Christ, it's always good news. It's always good news because the gospel is there. And the gospel actually provides the answer for our brokenness. If you want to overcome it, if you want some healing, if you want a new way in life, the gospel is the answer. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. God made him who had no sin. Okay? God made him who had no sin. He never sinned. He never went to this area. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that, what? In him we might become the righteousness of God and get back to God's design. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You might want to write that one down, memorize it, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Okay, Jesus, the son of God, came to earth as God's only son. And when Jesus was on the earth, he never departed God's design. Jesus never sinned. He never departed God. He always walked perfectly in God's design for his life. He never sinned once. And when Jesus was on the cross, 
He put the sins of the whole world on him because he was so perfect in his design and walking in God's plan and God's way. He put all the sins of the world on him. And then Jesus literally died. He passed away. And on the third day, he rose up out of a tomb. He was already put away, buried. And he was raised from the dead to prove that he was who he said he was and that he could accomplish all that he wanted to accomplish and that through his death that he can heal the brokenness in our lives. And that is gospel. That is good news. Now, what, what, what's our part in this? Jesus came to rescue us from our brokenness to turn us back to God's design. And so Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the gospel. And he came to actually take us from brokenness to life. And it's through this good news of the gospel. He takes us from this place where we're lost and dying without him. And he wants to heal and bring back together all of the brokenness so that we can have life eternal with him. The change that we need to make to get out of our brokenness, listen, does not come from inside of us, does not come from our brain, is not something we can figure out on our own. And you, and you know, there's people that have tried, they've just tried everything to get out of their brokenness. The gospel is the only way. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, yes, I can relate to all this. This is me right now. I'm messed up. I, I have messed up my life. I messed up my, I messed up my kids. I messed up everything. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're in junior high right now. You're like, man, I am messed up my life already. The only hope is the gospel through Jesus, the Son of God. He's the only way that we can make things right now. Here's the biblical instruction about this. The Bible's instruction for us to get out of our brokenness, what's our part of it, is to repent and put our faith in God. Okay? We're supposed to repent and we're supposed to put our faith in God. So we have repentance and we have faith. Well, that word repent means to turn away from one thing and to turn toward another. It means literally to change your mind. And so when the Bible tells us that we are to repent of our sins, uh, we read this in the book of Acts chapter 2, the birth of God's church in the book of Acts. Do you remember what happens there? Peter's preaching a sermon. He does a gospel presentation, and the people are stricken to the heart. They said, oh, we've sinned against God. We crucified his son Jesus with our sins. And they go to Peter, and they say, Peter, Peter, tell us, what must we do? And you know what the first thing out of his mouth he says? Repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from the brokenness. Turn away from the sin. Turn away from this and turn toward the gospel and the good news and turn toward Jesus Christ. And you put your faith in him. You put your faith in him. It's not just simple belief. A lot of, a lot of uh, uh, theology and churches, maybe even sometimes they say, if you just believe, you belong. If you just believe. But then I read scripture that says the demons believe in Jesus and tremble because they're not going to heaven. You can believe in Jesus all you want. you got to put your faith in him. What does that mean? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 
In other words, we're going to put absolute trust in Jesus Christ. And no other person, no self-help program, no other relationship, nothing else in life. Nothing will fix our brokenness except this gospel. And we are called by God to repent and to put our faith in him. To turn away from something, to turn towards something. It goes beyond just a simple acknowledgement of belief. This repentance and faith is reliance. Reliance on the person of Jesus, the gospel. And then we get to this point where if we repent, if we repent and we turn to God, he will forgive us, the scripture says, and give us the opportunity to recover and pursue his design for our life again. So this gospel actually brings us back to God's design. And what, he, what this gospel does for us, it gives us the ability to pursue God and to recover what was taken. I'll write it down here on the side. I'm running out of room here. To recover what was taken from us in God's design. That's what the gospel does. It brings that back to us. The good news is that you can start right where you're at, right now today. You repent of your sins You put your faith in Jesus Christ. And remember, repentance isn't just an acknowledgement. Repentance doesn't mean you feel sorry for your sins. That's that's kind of what the church has done with repentance through the years. It's like, oh, I feel really bad about my sins. Man, I really really messed up. I feel bad about that. In fact, sometimes, man, it brings me to tears. I feel so guilty, and I feel so bad about my sin. That's not repentance. Repentance is I'm not doing it anymore. I refuse to do whatever it is. Whatever it is, and everybody right now is thinking about their sin, right? It's that, oh man, it's my language, it's my sex life, it's my money situation, it's just trusting God for the future, it's my marriage relationship, it's the way I parent, it's just my corruption in my heart, it's that I'm embezzling money from my government. I mean, everybody right now is thinking about their sin, and this is the remedy for it. We repent of that. We turn away from that. We're not going to do that anymore. We're turning toward God. We're going to go his direction. We're going to put all of our reliance and all of our faith and all of our belief and all of our trust in him in this gospel so that we can get back to God's design. Because here's, here's, here's the bottom line. This is what you want. This is what everyone wants. Everybody that's not here this morning, those people that you're going to invite to church next week, right? They're going to be here. Right, that you've been inviting for some of you, like I've been inviting them for like five years. Okay, this is what they want. This is what's missing in their life. They have chosen to go away from God to brokenness and not to walk in God's design. And the good news is, Jesus paid it all and can make it right and can set it all the right direction. I want to close this morning by reading you a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, Deuteronomy is earlier in the uh, Old Testament. And where we're at in Deuteronomy chapter 30 is that uh, God's chosen people, the Israelites, are about to go into the promised land. Kind of going to the promised land again. Uh, As we've been reading in Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter 12, and we see where Abraham actually settles, is actually in the promised land. And then when, you know, the stories about them getting taken off to, to Egypt and then having to come back to the promised land, it's really a return to what God had already given him, already promised him, where they had kind of lived before. And as they're coming back, God has laid some foundational things down for them. He's told them about certain things. And then he gives this plea to them. These are the words of God himself. 
in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning with verse 15. So just, just hear God standing before the Israelites and, and giving them this option and telling them what their options are. And, and then think about that and, and, and God giving this option to you today too. Listen to this. See, he says, I set before you today life and prosperity and death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, that's his design, to keep his commands, his decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away to sin and brokenness, if you turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods, your plans for your life, and to worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life that you and your children may live. Now let me tell you what the tendency is going to be. Some of you are in this brokenness and you're so guilty, you just can't imagine this part of it. You just, you do not, Eric, you do not know what I've done. You, I can't even talk to you about it. It's so dark. The pornography on my phone, I, I, I pray my wife never looks at it. I pray she never figures it out. If you knew my financial situation and how much money that I've stole, oh. If you knew how bad I treat people in my family, I mean my kids, my wife. If you knew what a gossip I was to all of my friends, I mean, I stir up dissension. In fact, I've broken up friendships and relationships with my mouth, I praise God on Sunday morning and I go curse him all week long. I'm so foul as the day. My heart is, there's, some of you are gonna say, it's just, you're too far gone. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. The other tendency here is gonna be yes, yes, I buy in, I accept Christ, yes, the gospel truth, yes, Jesus. I wanna go back here and yet tomorrow you're gonna go back here. And my question for you is, did you really repent? And sometimes repentance requires also accountability. Did you tell somebody? Did you tell your wife? Did you tell a friend and say, hey, I'm trying to stop this so I can walk in God's design for my life. Would you help me? Because I don't think I can do it on my own. I need accountability. I need someone to come alongside me to ask me a tough question and say, hey, are you walking the Lord today? Because I'm telling you what, three months from now, Three weeks from now, three months from now, six months from now, your life could be completely different. It could be life you always dreamed of and what you walk in here desiring in the new year because you're walking in God's design. Don't get stuck in the past, but be looking for the future in Christ Jesus. Be looking for the future. It's God's design for your life, but here's the bottom line. It's your decision. It's your decision. If I could make the decision for you, I absolutely would 
on Shadow Dot. Our elders would. A lot of our discipling teachers on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, church leaders, leaders in ministry, we would make that decision for you. We would say, yes, yes, do it. But it's God's design. He has a plan for your life. It's your choice. Will you turn and pray? And will you seek him and find him? When you seek him with all of your heart, you give the whole thing over to him. Because here's, here's the deal. All of this is about Jesus Christ and this cross. Because it's through this cross of Calvary, it's through this cross that all of this brokenness and shame and sinful and all the patterns, and maybe you're like, like me, and you're like, dude, I've made this round a couple times in my life. But how do, you, how do you become holy and righteous? It's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ that you walk in this design through the power of the cross. We have a faith tradition here at Oakwood that we take Holy Communion every week. And hopefully you got those emblems as you came in this morning on those tables. If you're with us online right now, hopefully you've made those arrangements in your home. But we take communion together and we remember this. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the high cost of our salvation. We do this intentionally in our service so that the sacrifice of Jesus would be the center of our worship. Because without this, nothing else matters. We're still lost and broken. We have the capability of being saved and getting back to God's design in our life through Jesus' sacrifice.